Greetings, listeners. This is your captain, Michael Cave, and we've got a pretty special guest aboard the cruise ship, Captain Caveman's cruise ship, a really old, literally, friend of mine named Jeff Lindbergh. Jeff or Jeffrey, welcome aboard. Yeah, Jeff, for sure. <laughs> I, I'm not rich and I'm not English. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome aboard the cruise ship. I didn't have to fish you out of the water, so that's a good sign, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, you know, I I look like a drowned rat when I'm swimming. <laughs> you look like a drowned rat. 365 days a year, bro. Right. It, it's all this hair I have. <laughs> what hair? <laughs> you were the trendsetter. Actually, right. we, were, we were both bald when we first met. That's right. That's right. That was. When did you start working for CARB? I'm surprised you don't remember. Oh, by the way, listeners, CARB stands for California Air Resources Board. That's uh, where Jeff and I actually met. And uh, it's part of the California Environmental Protection Agency family. And 2001 is uh, when I started with CARB, Jeff. So, yeah. Almost, oh, so almost 19 years ago. Yeah, so then you, you knew Harmony and I right from the get-go. Yeah, yeah, I remember. So, uh, t- today is our is our 18th wedding anniversary. Happy anniversary, fool! And I'm sitting here spending it with you. Well, that'll get you in a doghouse. And I, not really. I have I have permission. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> so, permission she, is key, right? Happy wife, she, happy life. She she actually gave me permission, and she said, Jeff, just make sure you behave yourself. <laughs> That's not going to happen, bro. No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking we could talk about our friendship as we've been friends quite a long time. And you're one of those friends where we don't have to talk all the time to have meaningful catch ups. And when we do connect, it's always fun. It's usually over a beer. Right. But yeah, we've known each other a while. Yeah, coming up on 20 years, man. Jesus That's crazy. Christ, man. We're getting old. Seriously. They, right. They introduced me as your old friend. And you know, in fact, I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm the better looking one in the combo. So, you know, just well, wanted to throw that up. Seriously there. goes without saying. Have you seen me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's been great being friends with you and keeping in touch i think that's the the key thing it's i'm not downtown anymore kind of neither are you really but we always have tried to coordinate having a beer and catching up and letting the buzz kick in and i don't even know if it's always been beers it's just it's it's, it's always been good fun though yeah you know in fact i think the, the last time we got together was the christmas party here at our house when you and angelique and the kids came out Oh yeah, and right we before actually, the world shut down. Yeah, we we met uh some cool people through that whole party experience, and we went to uh, Talia's birthday party recently, so that was fun. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, she's really drawn to uh, our middle child Emma, but it's just good to connect with people, and we had a good time at their party. It was kind of a swim party, and been no, trying that to. Make, that makes me really happy because Tracy and yeah. James are really good people. Yeah, we, we enjoy them. So uh, I have been trying to coordinate getting in touch with them and getting a play date uh, scheduled. But as you know, this crazy pandemic has just put a damper in a lot of those things. So a lot of time went by, but it was good to get in touch with her for the birthday party. And uh, we went out there and had a good time. Nice. Yeah. So thanks for that. 
thanks for that yeah. connection. <laughs> hey, you know, I do what I do what I can, but it's my wife's fault. Right. You know, I right. anything good she gets credit for, anything bad I get blamed. That's the, <laughs> that's the way the world works. Yeah. Get in line though, because that's just how it goes. I mean, right. I'm trying to get handy, but I, I you don't want me building you a table. You don't want me building you anything, really. I don't know. I saw that little fire pit you built for the kids. Yeah, and she's giving me a hard time about how I am obsessing over it being level, but I, I like how it turned out. It's not too close to the fence. The kids love it. You don't need to sit around a fire pit. Come on. Oh, they, they get a little bit of chance to roast some marshmallows or to, to roast some hot dogs? Or yeah. Almost every line. morning. Yeah. They, really? they roast hot dogs every morning? Almost. They're all gone now, so they won't be roasting them tomorrow. But yeah. You know, that, that brings up a, a subject that I wanted to, to chat with you about. Denied. Okay, awesome. I'm going to bring <laughs> it up anyway. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this. Probably but, do. But this has got to be, I don't know, three houses ago for you. <laughs> okay. I think I know where you're going with this one. When Harmony and I stopped in one day after I don't know, we were on we were coming back from somewhere and and we popped in for a little while and, and in your backyard we were barbecuing some hot dogs <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I and I had never had a cheese filled hot dog before <laughs> oh yeah and let me tell you I still blame you for that <laughs> <laughs> have you had one since or are no. you like totally addicted no sir I have not had a cheese filled hot dog since then <laughs> I thought I thought when I meet when I'm meeting this, I'm like, yeah, this might be the most ghetto thing ever. <laughs> I don't know who suggested uh, those get purchased, but I'm, I'm not gonna take the fall for that one. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I still you still get the credit or the blame, whichever comes first. Yeah, that, man, that was that, I think that, that was, was the that housewarming was, party. Uh, I don't think so. I think that was just Harmony and I at the time. Really? Yeah. Huh. Because I think that was the second time it, it was midday. I think that was the second time we had been to your place. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, you and did I think you guys are like two or three houses away from that now. Yeah, but the housewarming party was kind of an interesting phenomenon in that I didn't expect all the people that I invited to show up. I mean, in total, there was like 70 something people that showed up, and we were like just blissfully unprepared for the onslaught of people and the social expectations we didn't have enough trash cans we didn't have enough beer <laughs> it was ridiculous i don't know I, I i drank my share of beer and never left disappointed yeah well you, you might have had it all i might have been the reason yeah, yeah i might be the reason you didn't have enough beer yeah but it was kind of a halloween party too and i remember you were a padre of some sort <laughs> That's right. That's right. I was looking good in my monk dress. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I just didn't expect there to be so much interest. But maybe it was uh, the marketing that I did. Or maybe just people were just trying to be supportive. I mean, that's the nice thing about the friends that I've had in my lifetime. They've all pretty much been very supportive. And I, I've tried to return the favor the best I could. But I really did not expect that many people to show up and stay. And stay. Right? Well, that's what parties are for. Yeah, you know no, that was fun, but we're not doing that again. <laughs> this is that's house kind of, number four. That's kind of bummer because I'd actually bring some beer this time. Yeah, 
no, we'll uh, have you over. You can take a break from that country living. We're going to talk about that later, but uh, we're, we're still in the process of getting settled in here in Rockland, but we are enjoying it. It's been a nice first year, and the kids are loving it. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about kids, too, because I have some interesting insights about you and kids that I want to kind of get into. But let's keep going on our friendship. I mean, when we met, so I was uh, – executive office support and the executive office that every source is board was a mixture of the chairman's office which you were kind of under mm-hmm. uh, under the ombudsman's office and then it was the executive office proper and my job was kind of to make the rounds and chit chat with people and extinguish their computer support fires of course you guys were great you didn't have any but that's kind of how we got to know each other over the years that's yeah, my I- recollection of it that, that's pretty much the way I recall it too. It's you, you'd always dress up in your, in your suit and tie <laughs> every day. I, I guess I'll, at the same point, I always dressed up in my suit and tie every day back then too. Yeah. And now I don't have a suit that fits me anymore. <laughs> and it's been so long since I've had to put a suit on. Oh, what's your, tell me about your COVID-19 wardrobe before we move on. I want to well, know. T- today I'm wearing a, a polo shirt because I had a, a Zoom meeting this afternoon and mm, if I have to, that's right if I have to be seen on screen then I have to have a colored shirt on uh, <laughs> because somehow apparently that makes me more sophisticated than I am no uh, yeah uh, you know <laughs> but you know three quarters of the time I am wearing shorts and a t-shirt and if I have shoes on then you know the world is lucky otherwise my feet are are barefooted all the time wow I'm, trying to turn into one of those kids again who have feet so tough they can walk over anything <laughs> oh man so no flip-flops nothing like that just I cannot keep a pair of flip-flops unbroken to save my life wow man i think i think i've gone through this year alone three or four pairs of flip-flops right you know they just so i just got to the point where i'm like i'm not gonna buy more flip-flops i'm just gonna go barefoot that's that's the way I'm born that's the way I'll die and that's the way I'll live my life so with so much working from home how's your connectivity out there in uh, country land oh so I don't know it must have been now two years ago give or take uh two years ago we had satellite internet oh my god that's slow have you ever used satellite internet yes it's it's painfully slow yeah, I think smoke signals work faster. <laughs> you know, when, when you have to send Morse code in smoke signal and it still gets the message through faster, that's oh. how bad satellite internet is. Well, Elon Musk to the rescue on that with his uh, Starlink. Yeah, you know, um, I, I'll take AT&T 5G residential home wireless any day of the week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so about two years ago, AT&T upgraded a tower not far from our house. Okay. And they started doing what they call their rural home Wi-Fi or rural home wireless cellular, something like that. Mm. And essentially it's run on the cell. It's home internet run on the cellular network. And it is city fast. Wow. You know, I mean, it's like streaming Netflix, all of us on our computers, on our Google classrooms, on our zoom meetings at the same time with no hiccups at all. Wow, that's nice. Uh, and I, you know, I think I could. We couldn't have done this work at home, school at home, if we had tr- if we were trying to do it on a jetpack or on satellite internet, right? Uh, or smoke signal. Uh, 
you know and, and so honestly it's like the, the timing of this pandemic and the world closure couldn't have been better if you got to make you know lemonade out of something oh, um, when life hands you lemons absolutely this is definitely one of those moments you know and, and and i'm not usually one for giving out props to giant telecom companies but the deal that we started with at&t when we first signed up mm -hmm. i want to say was i don't know it's like 60 bucks a month for 200 gigs of of data and then if you go over those 200 gigs it's only 10 bucks more for another 50. oh that's and pretty good in the entire two years we have gone over that 200 gigs and at&t has never charged us wow you know and so it's you know I, I think part of that was the initial offer and then it expired right around the time that the pandemic hit and they just said you know we're going to be good to our customers and you know so for the the low low price of 60 bucks a month i get high-speed internet and i can't complain and at has been great yeah this uh pandemic it's been interesting how the technology community has answered the call. I mean, there's been some really tense moments. I mean, nobody foresaw the infrastructure being taxed the way it has. But generally speaking, the tech community has answered the call in that space. And uh, obviously, there's more than one choice as far as uh, internet service providers. But it's been pretty good for a lot of people but everybody's using it, everybody's taxing it. And it's it's pretty much held up. I mean, there's been some internet goes out kind of moments, but most people have options like uh, a phone with a personal hotspot to where if you're really desperate to get back online, you could do something like that. But I was just curious what your uh, setup was being out in the country, which I just can't do, I'm a city guy through and through i mean i can't even camp just no that's just not in my makeup sorry <laughs> <laughs> and i'm a caveman which is so interesting right no i i wouldn't i wouldn't trade living out here in the country for anything you know i mean we you, you've been out here we're, we're at the end of a dirt road yes um you know you probably heard some dueling banjos playing while you were driving down to my house <laughs> um, you know but we especially when the kids were little you know they're they're now 11 and 13 but we we've, we've been out here for gosh nine years wow and so you know we came out here when my daughter was two or three and my son was you know maybe four yeah um, and you know the whole time we've been able to just open up the front door and let the kids go out and play and not worry about it man you know, I mean, that's they nice get to, they get to go explore they get to you know have they've got a couple of friends out here on the dirt road and you know we take take walks and there's no traffic and and i you know i'm just beside myself to be able to live out here wow that's something that actually we as parents of multiples are starting to get used to we're starting to see it now that we kind of do the divide and conquer where we have one child spend the night at grandma and grandpa's for the weekend and two is actually really manageable and angelique and i are both noticing that we actually have time to be adults we don't have to be watching them they go out back now and just use their imaginations and play and pretend and mm -hmm. do adult things like not those types of adult things but you know what i mean like uh, pay bills or 
clean something, I, fix something. I'd, ra- I'd rather have you do the other type of adult things. <laughs> I mean, like if the choice if the choice is the the other kind of adult things are paying the bills, right? Man, come on, your priorities are messed up. Yeah, no doubt, right? <laughs> no shit. But uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna write a blog about, as you know, or maybe you don't read my stuff. Maybe you just don't read my stuff at all. But I maintain a blog about the kids. It's cavetriplets.com. And I used to write once a month and that's kind of slowed down dramatically as a result of the pandemic because Angelique and I both got run over by a tidal wave with being around the kids all of the time and trying to keep them busy and occupied, entertained. And um, writing was something that suffered because there's just not that much time. And I wasn't about to stay up late just to satisfy that whim. So I'm getting back to it now, but... It used to be when I had a thought I would blog at least once a month because I had a audience that demanded it. Now I'm just like, look, I just don't have the time. Although I'm finding with this new divide and conquer approach time to do other things like this, but I have more time to think, I think. And that's where I think you wanted to ask me a question about why this podcast. So go ahead and ask me that question. So Mike, why did you decide to do a podcast? Okay, that's just, I love how you asked that question, that tone, that was just fabulous. Good job. (laughs) Right, pat me on the head, throw throw me a cookie. Yeah, throw you a cookie, man. But uh, the main reason is, I think two years ago, I started realizing that you have to keep evolving and you have to keep challenging yourself. It's really important as you get older. That's what I'm finding. You don't want your brain to atrophy into mush and then you just become a victim of your routine, which we were all robbed of when the COVID-19 pandemic hit. So that was really, when that happened, I was like, how could I reinvent myself with skills I already have? I like to talk. I like to talk to a variety of people about a variety of different subjects. So I just figured, well, is this something that I could do? So I started looking around at what other people were doing and realized that, yeah, I could do that. But then it's like, well, crap, shit, I'm this father of triplets. When am I gonna have the time to do that shit? But I ended up finding some time when I stay up late one night, not doing anything yet, but just thinking. And then I do a couple and they were real shit. The content was good, but just the audio was really bad. And I'm like, all right, what adjustments do I need to make? So I start evolving, buying better equipment, practicing. You know, it's like people say, oh, you give, you're a pretty good public speaker in presentations and stuff. It's like, well, I practice. I practice in my head and I practice with myself. I'm talking to myself and I'm, I'm thinking about what I want to say and how I want to say it. So to answer your question, it's about evolving for me, but I have something to say. And I looked at this as an opportunity during this pandemic to remind people of what's special about connections. And I looked at myself as being one of those people that could stoke up those kinds of interesting, stimulating conversations with weirdos such as yourself. (laughs) He's ratcheting his jaw back up. I'm trying to decide if I want to be the weirdo that talks to you. (laughs) <laughs> not not even a little bit no I, I mean I, I I totally get that so you know for me it was um, it was getting back into brewing beer 
Oh. I, I had brewed beer. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a beer guy. I, I like beer. Everything yes, about you beer. Are. I like, I like the, the history of beer. I like the ingredients that beer is made out of. Um, I like going to the breweries. I like drinking beer. And I like making beer. And when Harmony and I first got together, you know, 20 years ago now, um, I was, you know, making beer in the, in the kitchen. And, and it was, you know, I mean, it was kind of crap. Um, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't any good. And, you know, short story long, we, we had the kids and, and I put on, you know, put beer drinking or beer drinking. I, I started drinking more. Beer Wait a minute. Drinking. Short story long. Are you, are you drinking, man? Now? <laughs> short story long. <laughs> sad, sad, sadly, no, I, I'm, I'm not drinking yet, but this is, this is going to be the longest short story you've ever heard. Oh, so that was just um, a Jeffism. <laughs> that was just a Jeffism. No, I, you know, I, I, I stopped brewing beer when the kids were little okay and about two years ago i had that same kind of you know a, a epiphany it's like i needed to do something i needed a hobby i wasn't fishing anymore i pretty much found that my only you know i'd come home from from work and i wouldn't do anything we you know throw on the tunes or tv or something and i decided i needed to get back into a hobby mm -hmm. and i thought well what better hobby to get back into than, than brewing beer and and i'll tell you at, at 43 years old, starting to brew beer again, it's the best decision I ever made besides getting married. You know, yeah. it's, I, I now spend a couple of Saturday mornings a month out in the front yard with some music going and the, the kettle boiling away. And, um, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I actually feel like I, drink, I brew some pretty drinkable beer now. So <laughs> one of these days we'll have to we'll have to get together and I'll have to bring a bottle of my beer over okay you'll have to give it a try so i have a question about all this beer brewing yeah so with this pandemic i'm sure you've had a chance to catch up on your netflix and not netflix mm -hmm. and chilling but just netflix and are you familiar with uh breaking bad i am okay so do you remember hank and uh, when he started brewing beer and uh i actually never watched the show what? So you're familiar with it, but you never watch it. Okay, I've well, I mean, given you an assignment. Who's not? Who is not familiar with Breaking Bad? <laughs> well, how can you be familiar with it if you haven't watched it? Or because it was it? a cult. It was a, a pop culture phenomenon while it was on. Yeah, that's true. All right, you know, man. But no, I, I have never watched Breaking Bad. Um, well, I don't want to spoil it for you, but there was a scene in there at some point where Hank was had been brewing beers, and then he was a cop or detective or whatever and uh, he he heard all these boom 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 going off and he grabs his gun and he runs out into the garage and he realizes it's his home homemade beer <laughs> that is uh exploding his, that's yeah. right does that happen to you uh it has not happened to me since i restarted because when i restarted i started putting all in cans oh and so i i now brew a five gallon batch and keg a five gallon batch and the garage fridge has turned into a kegerator of sorts. So I always have a little bit of beer on tap. Okay. So n never blown up any beer. Oh, okay. So do you but add I, any kind of fruity flavors or what's your signature blend? What, what makes oh, your beer so drinkable? I'm an IPA guy. So the more hops, the merrier. You know, I just, if it's, if it's bitter and florally and it's just heavenly but i'm i'm trying to branch out a little bit um but i tend to you know i tend to find that you know every other batch or every third batch i go back to an ipa hmm. um, 
But recently, I tried for the first time brewing a lager, you know, something like a um, a Budweiser kind of thing. Wow! But with a little bit more flavor, and <laughs> uh, it, and to my surprise, it actually came out pretty good and pretty drinkable. Um, and apparently, it was good because all of the neighbors wouldn't stop drinking it. <laughs> okay. All right. So, wow. Yeah. My uh, favorite beer, I think, is kind of a tie. If, if I'm going to an establishment that's known for beers, I like to find a good Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Moon's a little strong for me. My goodness, man. Two, and I'm just a cheap date mess. But uh, outside of that, I would like uh, Newcastle. A really cold Newcastle paired with the right food is just, to me, heavenly. Really uh, I, or, or a nice bass. I, I I enjoy bass an awful lot. Hmm. Okay. But I think the next the next one I've got on my list to brew is going to be a dry Irish stout like a Guinness. Wow. My my intent is to brew that up now so that it's ready right around Christmas time, so that you know you can sit around the campfire and have your your pint of, of stout and just enjoy the nice evening. That's awesome. So I want to get back to uh, CARB, A-R-B, because uh, I noticed, I think you're still working at the Air Resources Board, and I wanted to know what keeps you there, because I've hopped around a couple places, but what keeps you at CARB? Is it the work? Is it the mission? Because I remember at one point you were doing some kind of PHP and building your own air quality monitoring kind of applications and stuff. And then that all dried up. No more, no more programming for me. Uh, Still pretty impressive that you did. Your boys in OIS um, decided that only they could do programming and everybody else had to stop. Yeah. Uh, What keeps me at ARB? You want the honest answer? Sure. I I am too close to retirement to try something different. (laughs) Nothing wrong with Uh, that. You know, I, I've been there for now 20, I think it'll be 23 years in November. Wow. Um, and yeah, I, I started in, I started in November of 97, I think. Holy crap. Um, you know, so that's, that's 23 years and, and at 45 in another 10 years, I can retire. Um, you know, and, and overall, I've liked the, I've liked the work that, that I do. You know, you feel good when you're working for an agency that's, that's tasked with making sure that people have the air that they can breathe. Yeah. You know, um, as a kid, I grew up with asthma, and and so I know what that's like. You know, and now you've got the, the next generation, and if we can make life a little bit better for them and, and do that, then that's an important thing. You know, and, and then I like the, the job that I'm doing now. I'm, I'm in enforcement, and so it's a little bit more near-term, a little bit more fast-paced. Right. Um, you know, and, and you know, CARB's been a good place to work for, my, for the last 23 years, and it only has to be a good place to work for the next, you know, 10 or 12. <laughs> well, you've had some interesting growth along the way, and I'm going to take credit for part of it, but... You're right about CARB. Uh, I, that's where I started out my career, and I, I learned a lot in a very short time. The first thing you learn, I think, just by working in that building within that Cali PA family is you learn how to be green. 
mean, where else are you going to go and meet people that are passionate about having worm bins in their cubicle? <laughs> I mean, and then lecturing on lecturing you on and if you don't have it and you just get used to recycling, you get used to uh, doing what you can to help the environment. I mean, I'm on my second electric car now. I'm on my second set of solar panels. I'm saving energy with my house. I've turned it into an energy saving machine and making money along the way, which is cool for PG&E customers. But uh, I think all of that started at the California Air Resources Board, even with what I was doing, just making sure that you all that worked in the programs could do your jobs. And that's why I'm so passionate about customer service and just, I think, sensitive to uh, what we're doing to the environment. I mean, I didn't know what PM 2.5 was until I heard the people that I supported talking a lot about it. And then go figure, a lot of the people I supported were making the policies like about climate change and what have you that you're enjoying now. There's this huge thing surrounding climate change at Air Resources Board and they were able to incentivize it by way of uh, the carbon credits, which I thought was interesting. But just a lot of people have had interesting careers uh, yourself included through that whole effort and then people have branched off and gone to other companies that are still serving the same environmental mission but they're not necessarily working for the resources board anymore, anymore which I think is interesting but they're still associated if that makes sense yeah well and you know it's like you know don't don't ever undersell the importance of you know the, the people that play those support roles in the background yep. you know because you stop and think right now in, in you know this time of covid if we didn't have the tech support if we didn't have the administrative support you know we wouldn't be doing our jobs yeah those are key people you know, and so it's it's you know it's all part of a team and, and even the weakest link on a team is stronger because they're on the team yeah, they're part of the team. And, and that's, you know, I, I tell that to people all the time. It's, you know, don't don't ever introduce yourself as just a student assistant. Because that undersells your value to the organization. Yeah, you're there for a reason. That's right. That's right. If, if we didn't need the support, you wouldn't be here. If we need the support, you're here. Remember that you're part of the team. Yep. And that's, you know, that's important is to always remember that you're, you're part of something bigger than just you. Yeah, I agree, Jeff. But I'm going to take that credit that I told you I would take right now because this centers around a conversation you and I had over a beer, and I'm going to take credit for pushing you into management. I am. <laughs> I, I think that I said some stuff that got you thinking that this was something that you could do, and I, I, I figured management needed your presence crazy Jeff management needed crazy Jeff and I'm glad that you took the plunge and stayed with it I know it's a pain in the ass but I'm going to take credit for uh, helping you take that leap because well, then, I was... then you get to take the blame too <laughs> now I know squarely where to rest the blame hey um, man <laughs> no, you know honestly um, it, it's a decision I don't know that I'd make again oh really um, it's tough it is not for well, everyone it, and it's it's a different job entirely. You know, it's where I used to be the guy who 
got to do the work. Yeah. Now I'm the guy who gets to manage the people that are doing the work. You got to get it done through others. Yeah. Get it done through others. And the qualities might not be as good as what it would be if you did the work yourself. But yeah. Well, and and it's, it's managing people is not as much fun as doing the work yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's more ability to make decisions and, you know, to change the course of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's something nice about having your hands in the thing that's working. Yeah. You know, I mean, you think about like when you, when you were doing the tech support, yeah, you got into that because you liked tinkering with computers and programming. I like breaking shit. (laughs) Yeah. And and then when you get into management, you know, you're no longer really doing that same kind of thing. Um, And, um, Sorry, I, I have a no. We're not on camera. No. My wife just came out to check and see if we were video recording. No, I don't want to yeah, see no, you. I, yeah, nobody <laughs> wants to see me. No. You know, and so it's just it's just a different it's a different world. And, and there's a part of me that if I could go back and just be a staff for the, the next last ten years of my career, that. I could totally see myself doing that, and yeah. being just and being just as happy doing that as doing anything else. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that, and I appreciate your honesty, but I'm I'm glad that you responded the way that you did because I'm going to offer up a slightly different perspective, uh, but I totally see where you're coming from. But for me, you got to realize. So next month, November thirteenth, twenty twenty, will be twenty. Uh, holy crap, 19 years of uh, state service and I've been a manager for pretty much 16 of those. So I got into the game a long time ago and I was kind of managing by instinct and just natural ability until I learned the craft through the school of hard knocks and experience Uh, but it was a calling for me so it was different in that regard but recently with my most recent role I had to make a choice at some point because I was kind of my previous job at the state treasurer's office was a working supervisor where I could get my hands dirty when I wanted to but I'm still responsible for managing people but the whole culture at the treasurer's office was like that pretty much every manager was a working manager it just it's just what the jobs called for so with my new job Uh, what happened was I had to make a choice. Do you want to still get your hands dirty and wet or do you want to just be more managerial? And I chose to be more managerial, which meant that I had to let go of a lot of the technical stuff and let other people be more technical than me. It didn't make me uh, less intelligent or anything like that. It's just that I had to use different skills and I had to be more trusting and work through the team and I'm still influencing technology. I'm still looking out into the future, but yeah, it's different. It's uh, It's gotta be a feeling of loss. And if you have an opportunity and people get out of management for all sorts of reasons, actually, to step down. I've even thought about it just like you are. My biggest fear is what, what if I get tired of IT? What am I gonna do? Or mm-hmm. before my time is done in state service, 
do I need to go out on top or can I take a couple steps down and just help out a cause or a team in a lower level because I've done the work, I've proven myself, and now it's just about adding value to a small team, a small organization or whatever. Some people get out because a nasty grievance or a lawsuit or something or something happens to where it's like, no, this isn't worth it. I'm sorry. Or it's too stressful. Uh, but some people like getting their hands dirty and they miss that. So they, they choose to go back to that. But for me, uh, I have kind of enjoyed evolving as a supervisor, started out as a supervisor and then became a manager. And then I've evolved into a leader and I'm trying to build stronger leadership skills. And then I became a father, which is a different kind of leader and mentor. And I, I know that when we first met, I remember you and I over a beer, more than likely, used to have conversations about kids. And I remember a time where you didn't want kids. But I also remember a time when you had Jonas. You changed, bro, in a very remarkable way to where I just couldn't believe how it was just like 360. You were just oh, yeah, no. totally transformed. I loved it. I loved that. Ha having, I saw that. Having the kids was, you know, like I said, it was something that I, that I, I never wanted to do. Yeah. And I don't know, Jonas is now a little over 13 years old. So 14 years ago, this switch went off in my head. It was like, okay, it's fine. I'm going to have, we're going to have kids. And, two kids later life is good yep two kids later life is good i mean i don't i don't got quite as many as you got but mine are older yeah but still you became a family man and that became your new priority and you were like reborn when that happened and i remember you bringing them in uh, to the uh, Cali PA auditorium on the second floor and showing him off. And I'm like, damn, he looks just like you. <laughs> 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 the apple didn't fall very far from the tree for sure, but. Uh, it's way nicer person than I. Yeah, but you were glowing and I thought that that was just great because I remember you were like, I don't want kids. And then uh, boom, now you have two and you're, you're living in the, the country and they're all grown up now it's just amazing and then it took me seven and a half years but uh, finally pulled it off and finally got to experience those feelings that you had and that pride that you had and still have uh, for being a father and just having your world transformed uh, where you just you can't wait to get home to them and uh, in my case, it's, I don't know, people are like, work must be a vacation for you. And I just smile because it's like, what am I supposed to say to that? Seriously. Oh, yeah. You, you say what I say. It's like, no, I, I would much rather be at home with my family yeah. than at work. I, I go to work so I can have a family. You yeah. Know, I, don't, I don't have a family so I can go to work. Yeah, exactly. That's how it is for me, too. It's a, it's a priority. That's why when they were born... I took four months off of work. I just happened to have gobs of time and it was great. It was great being there with them and having that bonding opportunity to where I think the relationship I have with them now is as strong as it is because of that bond that I developed to where even when I go to work two days a week now and I come home, they're just like, 
super happy to see me. It's great. And uh, they know who I am and I know who they are and they're evolving faster than I can keep up with. But uh, they are the reason why I do what I do in state government and why I push myself to be what I am and what I am continuing to strive to be. It's all for them. I mean, we're civil servants. So it's like you were talking about what you do at CARB. It's really important stuff. It's talking about the air that Californians breathe. And you've been down to L.A. Jesus, you know, but guess what happened when the pandemic hit? Air quality really started to improve. I would really be interested in seeing that data. Uh, I don't know if CARB's been marketing that. I think it's on the website. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it, it was noticeable. Yeah, and, it, and it started to, it's starting to change now that people are getting, driving more and getting back. Yeah, it's starting to get, routines. yeah, it's crazy. You know, but for me, I'm, I, you know, I'm still, I went to work one day a week, uh, usually on Thursday or Friday, and the rest of the time I'm here at home, and, and there's disadvantages. I mean, you, you work at home sometimes. Yeah. You know, one of the nice things about going into the office is at the end of the day, you get a commute. And, yes. And that decompression time. Yes. Is actually kind of important. And you don't realize that until you don't have it. Yep. I agree. And you know, people will have uh, this tremendous, what the hell did I lose? And then you're starting to realize that commute was part of your uh, loss it was that time to unwind or get in the right frame of mind going to the office and getting the right frame of mind to be whatever when you get home you're right jeff yeah but you know with, with all changes you know you like i said you evolve you, you learn to live in the new normal um, yeah and you know i i drive a lot less and so we save a lot more money on gas than you yes i get to i get to be home in the daytime and are here. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we're starting to talk about going back to school in November on two days a week. And so middle of November, I will have two days a week where I'm the only one here. Oh boy. You know, which would be sort of odd, but yeah, you know, I'll get used to that too. Right. So yeah. It, how do you break up your day? I mean, obviously this is like week 31 for a lot of people of working from home. And I know early on in the uh, lockdown, it was stay at home order and people didn't know how to function with that kind of directive. But now people are like trying to mix it up. So how do you mix it up? Uh, I'm not going to say you're brewing beer or anything like that, but what are some of the things you do to stay in the right frame of mind uh, with the idea that eventually we'll get back to some semblance of normal i don't even know if that's even going to be the case but how do you mix up your work day and uh just your your personal life oh i don't oh so um, it's just you know, bl it's, blurred the lines are blurred well no i i i have some pretty clear lines i don't turn the computer on before eight o'clock in the morning oh okay um and i and after 5 30 unless there is a meeting that i cannot miss the computer goes off but between those two hours i'm pretty much at my desk on a call on a zoom uh, answering emails all day long you know yeah very rarely actually take a real lunch break. Mm. Um, interesting yeah but at the end of the day i shut everything down and i walk away from it. yeah that's you know, important and that becomes my commute and i get the kitchen cleaned up and get dinner going so that i'm gonna get some home work you know she has a little less she has to do yeah um, no more bike ride? 
Oh no, I, I sadly living on the dirt road is the one casualty. Uh, bike riding is the one casualty. Of living on the dirt road. Yeah. I, I tried doing it a few times when I, when I first moved out there, and I'd load my bike into the back of the car, or ride down the the gravel road, and, and every time I managed to ride down the gravel road, I'd get a flat tire. You know, and before long, it just sort of fell by the wayside. Yeah. I've got the bike, and I still sometimes, you know, fantasize about getting back on it and going for for nice long rides. But honestly, it's just kind of too much of a pain in the butt now. Yeah. So, assuming we can get back to some kind of normal, uh, my question for you is. What are you looking forward to the most? What types of things are you looking forward to the most? I think I'm looking forward to going to see a movie. Hmm. Yeah. You know, we have, since the kids have been getting older, we've gone and seen every Marvel uh, Universe superhero movie in the theater. Okay. Uh, and... I, I, that's always been a lot of fun. You know, we don't go to movies a lot. We go to movies once every three or four months. Uh, but it's always it's always a nice day to get out to go see the to go see the show. You know, to have some lunch or some dinner afterwards. Right. Uh, and now movie theaters are one of those places that just scare. Oh yeah. And so I'm I'm looking forward to to that ending. And being able to go out and feel like you can comfortably sit through a movie without always worrying about whether or not you're going to get it. Yeah, I, I think that that is one of the things that is, I think, frustrating the community in general. And I think what you're starting to see is kind of a silent rebellion of sorts where people have just had enough of being confined and they're starting to take more risks and chances all while there's still a lot of unknown about this virus and people want those things that they used to have they want to go certain types of places like look at how hot it is as hot as balls in sacramento in the summertime and restaurants if they wanted to survive had to adapt right so they had to do that tent thing and outdoor dining and it would be 104, 106, 108 outside, and people would be outside Denny's eating or uh, mm-hmm. Perkos or whatever, sweating their ass off. They didn't care because it got them out of the house. And of course, now they're figuring things out with, all right, spacing the tables out, blah, blah, blah. But movie theaters has been interesting. I was wondering if they were going to survive because it seemed like they were pushing that on-demand streaming of uh, new releases. And it's like, eh. people want to mix up their experience. You can't just well, shut it down. And, and you, you can't, you don't get the same movie-going experience. Exactly. Watching you know, a pay-per-view on your home TV no. as you do sitting in the, the big auditorium, the good speakers, and, you know, all-encompassing large screen. It's just not the same. Yeah, I agree. It's not the same. So, okay, movies is high on your list. Anything else? You know, I, I'd like to be... So we're married for 20 years in two years. Mm-hmm. And I would like to be able to get on an airplane and go to Hawaii for my 20th anniversary. Take the wife, take the kids, hmm. and, and get on a plane. And right. and I don't know that that's 
I mean, I don't think I'd get on a plane anytime soon. Yeah. But you know, in a couple of years, I'm, I'm hoping that we're back to a more normal state where that we actually can get on a plane and fly somewhere and take yeah. a vacation. I, I was listening to one of your previous podcasts with your oh. friend from Everett, Massachusetts, <laughs> and you guys were talking about you had never been out to, to Massachusetts, never been been down to the Cape. No, sir. And and I got to tell you, you know, listening to you guys talk about you know going down the Cape. You got to get to Cape Cod. Mm. You know, my my family's all from that area, and it, Cape Cod is one of those just a, a really neat place to go and visit. So, mm. you know, I'm I'm hoping the world opens up so someday you and you and the kids and the wife can get out there and, and take a trip to the Cape as well. Yeah, well, I, I am definitely planning an East Coast trip. I mean. You got to realize my kids will be six in a few short days, October 23rd, and they've never been on an airplane. And I've seen other triplet families fly their kids across the country, fly their kids to other countries. And that just seemed too daunting of a task for us. And now with this pandemic, it's even more risky because they all have they don't look like preemies but they are preemies and they were born with immature premature lungs uh, underdeveloped and it's not something that changes so colds take them down like you wouldn't believe so i shudder at what a virus could do but i am definitely interested in going back east we've got lots of family to see back east there's lots of places that i want to see with them and yeah um, mapping it out like a itinerary where we have specific spots. Obviously, we're a big family of five and we have very unique accommodation needs we're finding out through our uh, Santa Cruz beach experience. <laughs> we, oh my gosh. We, we started with two kids and then we had to get a bigger room when we had all three and they were so excited. So I can only imagine if they can survive a six or seven hour flight and we go someplace like Massachusetts or Cape Cod for a true proper vacation. I think it's going to be fabulous, especially if we get good advice from people on where to go. I don't want to do like the standard touristy things. I want to get some raw recommendations from folks, go off the beaten path to where we can get the culture of wherever we're going. Uh, but, but you want to like, especially if you go down to, if you go to Boston, you do want to do some of the touristy stuff because oh, you know, of course. you got to get out and and take the freedom trail and walk around the city because you'll be walking next to these you know super ultra modern skyscrapers mm-hmm. and then you'll run across the tombstone of thomas jefferson oh boy you know or ben frank i don't know i don't know which ones they were john adams or something like that you know and it's just like out of nowhere all of a sudden is this tombstone of one of the founding fathers of our country, right next to an ultra modern skyscraper. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Boston's a neat city, so if you do get a chance to go there, you know, do some of the touristy stuff. Okay. You know, get out of town and, and do some of the non touristy stuff. Yeah. But, but be a tourist, wear your Bermuda shorts, have your camera and your fanny pack hanging around you, you know, <laughs> pull out your sunscreen and enjoy the hot, humid summer weather. Oh my gosh. That'll be interesting. I don't have any hair to worry about, but Angelique will. And she, she's she been back east and her hair just does not do well. So that's where <laughs> we're, we're having conversations about where we want to go after I retire and 
we don't want to be in California anymore. We want to go somewhere else, but weather's kind of important. So we're going to start taking trips to explore places that might be destination 2.0 for us. But that leads me into my next question for you. Five years from now, what's Jeff doing? Probably sitting at the same desk talking to a guy named Mike Cave. Mike? Um, (laughs) Wow. That's bringing back memories. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, five years from now, so five years from now, my son will be 18. He will have graduated high school or have just started his senior year. Mm -hmm. He's just starting eighth grade year now, so five years from now, he will have graduated high school. My daughter will be a junior. So the better question to ask me is what am I going to be doing in seven years? No, I, I think I asked you a pretty <laughs> damn good uh, original question, man. You, you, you need to knock it off or I'll throw you overboard. Well, that's, that's okay. I can swim. Uh, <laughs> you can float too, huh? <laughs> you know, um, you just, t- just toss me a koozie with a beer and it'll be good. Uh, so, you know, I, I think five years from now, I'll be, we'll probably be dialing in our retirement plans. Um, and trying to figure out if we're going to stay in California ourselves or if we're going to go somewhere different and try something new. Um, you know, there's there's advantages to both. Yep. Um, you know, and, and the whole world is, uh, is available to us. Yes. You know? Good health permitting. That's important. You know, we're, we're taking on, uh, I don't know if you guys are still doing the vegetarian thing, but uh, yes, for, I am. For the month of October, my daughter wanted to, to go vegetarian, so we have gone um, pescatarian more than more than vegetarian. Yeah, I'm fish, pescatarian. Fish as well. a couple of times. Absolutely, gotta have the fish. Um, you know, but I I feel fantastic eating it, and I just told them we can like, we can keep it up as long as every now and again I have a steak. Yeah, and as long as I get a steak, you know, every every couple of months, I'll be happy. There you go. So, yeah, it's, um, you know, trying to make sure that I'm in good health when I retire um, is as important as anything. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate what happens with folks where they work their whole lives and then they don't get to enjoy their retirement. Uh, So the planning starts now. And like you said, not taking chances but changing things up and uh, developing new habits that's like me i'm i'm trying to evolve uh with covid 19 the pandemic i had to reimagine how to stay in as good a shape as i could so i started riding a bicycle around all other fun stuff but uh, the kids are getting more and more active and it's all about them as you know so are they going to follow in your footsteps and play baseball? Emma might. She is ridiculously athletic and uh, coordinated. She's got really great dexterity. She picks things up really quickly. And uh, with baseball, she's got that hand-eye coordination. So uh, trying to find opportunities to work with them, but it's so competitive with all three of them they all want 
a slice of my attention at the same time and it's just not doable so that's why this divide and conquer thing has been so important where i can take somebody out one-on-one but emma is uh gravitating the most towards sports at the moment she can do anything she's really good at basketball and baseball so she might be sock softball uh soccer basketball maybe she's really good in that space christopher is all about the bicycle but uh michaela's more of a gymnast she's really really muscular and really fast so it's just a matter of figuring out when the world gets better and the world opens up and the community opens up what we're going to get them into because it's going to be hard being at everybody's event if they all want to do different things at different times that's just like a fear of mine just like they go away to three different colleges and the graduations all at the same day at the same time in different states we're fucked (laughs) yeah so but yeah they seem to have uh at least two of them inherited my uh, athleticism. Christopher is, is taking boys a long time, so he, he's coming around, but he's got something that he's passionate about, which is being on a bicycle, so that makes me happy that I don't want to prescribe what they, what they do and how they do it. It's just like, I want to show them how to do it, but I want them to figure things out on, on their own. They're very competitive, so that's good to see. Uh, but I also want them exposed to the feelings of losing <laughs> just because I think it's healthy. Uh, but uh, I think they are going to be in some type of team sports eventually. And hopefully they'll understand what it means to be a contributor on a team and uh, give your all. And I'm not looking at that as a retirement augmentation of any sort. Christopher's definitely going to be taller than me, though. Well, that doesn't take much. <laughs> oh, screw you, man. <laughs> oh. oh boy. So yeah, um the nice thing about when we when we've gotten together for beers is we cover a lot of ground in conversations, whether it's life, family, careers, uh venting about our careers, just enjoying the good years that's what's been great about having you as a friend so i I definitely appreciate appreciate you coming on board my cruise ship Uh, sorry i didn't have any booze for you but this was about uh the conversation we just kind of went a couple of miles out to sea and we'll be docking here shortly but i I did have one more question for you and this is kind of something i I put some thought in so i'm I'm really curious how you're going to handle this question so here's my question for you So through time travel, you meet your 18 year old self. What do you say? Only use three words. (laughs) That's a good question. That was more than three words, buddy. Uh, That wasn't my answer. Uh, (laughs) That's that's me. That's me pondering my answer. Okay. Well, by acknowledging what an excellent question. Okay. Three words. Yeah. Doesn't have to have something to do with beer, but it. No, but it, it probably might. does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. I I don't know that there is advice that I would give myself that would change my world. Mm-hmm. 
because you know, I mean, to, to tell you the honest to God truth, I like the way my life is turning. You know, so I can't I can't give myself some profound words of wisdom to say, hey, catch this miss off missed opportunity, because mm-hmm. I feel like every missed opportunity I have has led me to the place where I want to be. Okay. Um. Hmm. So I think if if I had to give myself three words study beer making <laughs> okay and uh, I, think, I think the only change i might make is that i i probably could have been a professional brewer and and really liked doing that okay no it's it's interesting that you when you reflected on this you you went to use this as an opportunity to like uh biff did in uh back to the future to win the lottery and you know you had that book of uh all the winning bets and stuff mm-hmm. but you, you're just like no i like my life and that's good it's it's perfect timing because uh, angelique and the kids just got home so we're, we're wrapping up here but i really like that answer uh it's nothing wrong with being content with how your life turned out and if you ran into your 18 year old self i mean you see all these movies talking about the rules of time travel don't talk to your younger self or your older self you'll screw up you'll create a branch in time blah 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 time travel geek but that's a great answer jeff i i really think that uh i like that answer i I knew it would include beer but that makes you happy and that's right making your own brew makes you happy it's really important to find your passion and do things that make you happy so bravo on that answer you handled it well the cruise ship is now docked uh is there anything else you had for me before we uh disembark and get you off my ship uh nope I, you know mike this is this has been a ton of fun um, yeah i agree and and if i didn't biff it too badly I'll, i'd be glad to come back in two or three years do it again Oh, let's let's not wait two or three years. Well, sir. let's not wait two or three years to go and have that beer that you've been taunting me with. Absolutely. Um, but we don't have to have the uh, the cruise ship. We, the cruise ship can be important at that time. <laughs> okay. Okay, Sounds Mike. Good. You take care, sir. Thanks a lot, and my love to your family. All right. Tell Harmony and the kids I said hello. I will tell Harmony and the kids hello, and um, we will have you back. Probably not for a Christmas party this year, but maybe for a Christmas party next year. Sounds good. All right, listeners, caveman out. Take care.